The Koi Gig Pod. There's no way Arsenal would let her go. It's all kind of mind games going on, which is a lot of fun. Picked up more attention than any other actual transfer. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Now you're welcome along Six Nations Wednesday Night Rugby Very happy to say The Dream Team has been assembled Jerry Thornley of the Irish Times Andy Dunn with us as well Greetings you too Hello Good evening Joe Good evening Joe So we have much uh, to get through Ireland, Scotland, France Off to bonus point starts France in Dublin on Saturday Number one versus number two in the world This is set up beautifully I was looking at the various uh, media dispatches today And uh, Ross Byrne has been talking and he said, uh, it definitely crossed my mind. It would cross anyone's mind that their chance was gone. The only thing I could do was play week in, week out as best I could for Leinster. And as generic as it sounds, there was no point in me worrying about anyone else. I could only worry about myself. Uh, the way rugby runs in this country is Andy Dunn says something. He waits six to eight months and then the rest of us can't. <laughs> <laughs> So the Ross Byrne drum was banged and here we are. He's suddenly uh, number two. And even he, as you can hear there, is uh, touch surprised pleasantly. Yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself. I <laughs> ordered a hot chocolate there from Arthur before I came in. So my rider is getting bigger now as well. Yellow M&Ms only. Um, <laughs> uh, <coughs> yeah, well, I, I think um, I, I was delighted to see him get selected. Uh, I was really surprised that he got selected because I thought they're going to look at Joey as the incumbent and then one of um, Crowley or, uh, well, probably most likely Crowley. And (coughs) again, with one eye on the World Cup and how many they bring in a certain squad. And, you know, so I didn't. But I think they've had a little shift in their strategy and that I think you probably need to have an out and out number 10 who only plays number 10 as a backup to your number 10 not a hybrid who plays multiple positions it's too important a position and uh, I think that brings Ross right into the picture Um, and I think he deserves it on recent history being the last 6 to 12 months Mm. How did he do when he came on? (coughs) Yeah I mean he's, he's the way the team play lends itself to someone like him coming in and and just letting it happen seamlessly around him anyway because the sum of the parts are so vast at this stage. The way the team is playing is so nuanced and layered and high functioning that he doesn't need to do a whole lot other than slot in and actually it protects us somewhat (coughs) from a sexton injury as damaging as that could be and it, it's a big fear for everyone I don't I don't think it's as big a fear as it would have been four years ago because he was so central to our success then now our success is so evenly spread out across the functionality of the team that I think it lends itself to someone like Ross coming in and doing doing a really solid job Jerry timing's everything <laughs> his timing's quite good Yep, it is. Although he's had to bide his time. <laughs> he's 27. He's played over 150 games now for Leinster in Ireland. But with that, of course, comes the calmness and experience and composure. But nothing seems to ruffle him too much. Um, you think about it like two years ago in this exact corresponding match behind closed doors. He played the second half and basically has been bombed out of it ever since mm. then. 
Mm. He played one minute and one minute only of the round five game against England when he also started the day as 24th man. And I think it was Billy Burns pulled out and he came off the last minute. He reckons he touched the ball once. Since when he um, had just hadn't featured for a year and eight months until that. And cue the, the, the week of the Australian game, he was at least five in the pecking order behind Johnny Sexton, Joey Carberry, uh, Kieran Frawley, Jack Crowley. And we didn't even know whether he was six, seven or eight either for that matter. It was just, he was out there with Jack Carty and Billy Burns and the rest mm, of them. Yes, in limbo. Yeah, and he was called in on the Monday as 24th man and there he, like he said, even players were, you? <laughs> they were a bit surprised to see him. That's a, that's a, so he went from being basically forgotten man to 24th man to match winner <laughs> in one day. <laughs> Do you know that the... It's, and, and it's all changed since then, but it's, it's also changed on the back of his form for Leinster, which has been good for two seasons now. I mean, he's played, I think he started or closed out all but two of Leinster's 15 wins or 17 wins a season. He's played 15 of them and plus now two Irish wins. Like, I can't remember the last time the fellow was on a losing team, yeah. certainly not this season. And he's very good at guiding the ship around and we've spoken about him before about how Stuart Lancaster says he's thinking that Leinster need to do something on the pitch and as soon as he's thinking it, Ross Byrne is doing it. Really? Yeah. Mm. The, the Brock Purdy analogy from the 49ers in the NFL, that a lot of the thinking was how did, now I know Ross Byrne is no rookie, but how did a rookie come into the NFL and have this seamless transition into a pressure environment and a lot of the thinking is that he was he get constant game exposure week in week out for Ohio State which isn't one of the high ranking US college teams had he been in a higher ranking college team he'd been in and out in and out changing position maybe or but he he played at a constant level constant exposure to the decision making in a pressurized environment and therefore he's, he seemed to have a seamless transition. I think that effect somewhat has happened, Ross Byrne. Yeah. This exposure constantly to high-pressure European rugby, very low injury profile, touch wood, um, and then, fine, he's, he's around, he's 27, he's been to hell and back. Yes. He's like, I'm fine now, just and, give it to me, and, just and let me in, I can show what I can do. There's nobody more experienced in no. Irish rugby it being understudied to Johnny Sexton exactly. or stepping in for him. Exactly. Nobody yeah. more experienced than him doing it. And he's surrounded by a lot of the same yeah. players with Ireland. Because, and further to that point, I don't sense the great debate about getting minutes into Ross Byrne that there surrounds any number of the other yes, yes. that yes. was a constant theme we have to give the minutes yes. we have to get minutes into yeah. him there's a pragmatism with, with to Byrne, it there's a degree of well he's having yeah. lots of high quality minutes mm. the other thing they like about him as well and I think they want Joey to improve and his part of his game is we know that that brilliant segment that you guys did in Virgin Media with Matthew the other day about Johnny being behind the rock and even when he's not touching the ball he's still controlling the play mm. that's incredible wasn't it brilliant I love that Honestly, there was the, <clears> if you didn't see it Matt picked it out and Rob Kearney backed up that we are listening to him it's not just Johnny you screaming into either you put the camera on Johnny and it's pointing that way it's pointing <laughs> and they're all just doing what he tells yeah. them, even when he's not touching the ball and, and there was one sorry because I know yeah. everyone didn't see it so I mean Matt was drawing circles around Johnny's finger yeah. Yeah, you know this was, this was the le- like look at his finger and so Johnny would be standing at a Rook and he'd point to the left and he now and this is the lovely development he might drift to the right mm. and take the opposition defensive eyes mm. with him and then the play will go to the left and whatever way he pointed Ireland went and there was often joy mm. yeah. Sorry. well I think that Ross Byrne has a bit of that too okay. you know what I mean more of that than Joey Carberry has and um, so therefore he fits in quite seamlessly and they, that's I think why Ross Byrne is back very much now in favour as well some turnaround. I mean, yeah. I, I, you can't be critical of this coaching ticket, really. But it does beg the question: What are we waiting for over the last year, eighteen months? Hmm? 
Do they, well, yeah. they think, well, we have Rosses are in our back pocket and maybe Joey has a higher ceiling, so let's persevere yes, with Joey. probably, probably. I, I mean, yeah. Joey has footwork and pace more so than Ross yeah, does. Yeah, I think you're, 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 you're starting, look, I maybe it's a bit like cramming for an exam. You, you know, years out, you're looking and weeks out from exams, you're looking at it. Well, I'll, maybe I'll look at it this way. And when it gets closer to D-Day, suddenly you just have a way of filtering out all the right. extra stuff you don't need. And you're like, what do I actually need to do to get through here? So is, is, is this like, I'm just going to study Seamus Heaney and mm. hope it comes up in the exam? Yeah, That's what possibly, we're here. possibly. I think he's, yeah, there's, a, <clears throat> there's an element to look to how he got back in. And there's always luck and timing in careers and it's necessary. And um who knows what happens between now and mm. um, eight months' time? But he's in he's in a really strong position all of a sudden. As, as rewarding as that kick would have been, that clutch kick against Australia, mm. and reminding everybody, I think it was mm. Ross Maloney sent out a tweet that evening. You know, Ross Byrne hasn't gone away or something like that. Yeah. Ross Byrne is still here. Um, looking at interviewing him yesterday, you could see he was in a much more satisfied, happier place because now he's in the squad from the start this time. You know, and he'd been picked as on from the start of the week. He was going to be the backup at half. He gets the last eleven minutes, and he steered the team home to a bonus point try. And I, in its own way, I think that's been far more rewarding for him personally, and he feels better about himself than he even would have having nailed the match-winning kick against Australia. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah. Because I spoke to someone, in, and again, you, you can speak to a million different people surrounded by Leinster and hear a million different things. But I got the impression from somebody, uh, fairly in the know, that Kieran Crawley was not a million miles away from really push and burn for that mm. 10 jersey quite a bit at Leinster and then of course he gets injured so again the timing issue Yeah that's your luck and timing but I'd also agree I, I think Kieran Friday has huge potential mm-hmm. when he's fit again to push Ross and you need in Leinster you know you need in any squad at this level a few options that are genuinely pushing each other Yeah So a, a broad sweep I just mentioned Burn there because he was talking today and you'd been talking about Burn for some time Andy a broad sweep they felt like three really good games, three contests, uh, certain ambition to the rugby. Uh, you know, the, the, the Six Nations explodes to life and is as um, vibrant as ever for all the history. It's never become dated. Yeah, Ireland were probably in the most boring match because it was the one that was looked well decided long before the end. But we'll take that yes. every time. You had but your opening line written, I'd say, after 20 minutes, did you? Well, no, no, I'm not that good. No, but anyway, um, but yeah, it helps when, when an Irish team goes 27-3 up after 27 minutes, all right. Yeah. You can start typing. Did the stadium go very quiet? Very. It was did beautiful. It, yeah. it went quiet long before the 27 minutes. It was quiet after about five or six minutes. After the first try. After the second try, you could hear conversations, you know, a bit of murmuring. It was okay. a roof closed and all, all it was the, just an, ec- an echo of a murmur around. There was no... It was a beautiful sound. You, this told you that the away team was winning yeah. and well. So it was a stunning start. And yeah, I thought you're, I think you're right. I think all three games were really entertaining. I think the, the brand of rugby that Scotland played and the tries they scored was thrilling. I think the way Italy put it up to France was, I think it was all unexpectedly good. It was better than I thought it was going to be. I thought there were three pretty entertaining games. Yeah. First time ever, three away wins in the opening weekend. And all with bonus points. I heard somewhere uh, last Thursday I was at a, a data sports data kind of analysis event and I think the stat by recollection was um, 75% of all home games are a win the home team win in the Six Nations over the last 20 years which I didn't realise was that high yeah. but yeah so it goes to show what an exciting opening weekend it was mm. and would you agree that the brand of rugby was up your street. Yes, yes, I am falling in love with rugby all over again. Okay. Um, where I wonder why it's happening. Four, 
Is it the bonus point? Is it something else? <clears throat> no, I think it's happening because um, the the level of um, coaching is more creative. It's more empowering. But there's a there's a process and a structure to it that is. If I look at if we look at Ireland, w- one of the things that stood out for me in that first twenty seven minutes was a moment where it looked like we were going to concede. It was. Sexton had it from from a midfield rook. He had uh, Hansen running one angle. He had James Lowe outside running an opposite angle. If you can imagine like a scissors or an X shape. Both of them were running into space either side of a defender and Sexton just had to make the right decision. But the, the Welsh tighthead panicked because there was three things on. He didn't know what to do so he shot out and he actually made a good read even though he could have been caught. But he got a hand on Sexton the, the pass went to deck and Dyer kicked on and Hugo Keenan chariots of fire style. You know the way he runs? You never see that. He reminds me of every time running down the beach. But he comes, slides in and, and stops. It was that moment. I, there was a freeze frame shot of Sexton about to release the pass to two wingers in midfield running at space. There was, there was Sexton had an option too. That is... The foundations of that are so strong. There's every time we're in attack like that, there's there's a ball carrier has two options. And that's almost every single time we have possession. The level of work rate, the level of insight and planning, the, the selflessness of it within the team. And I the the um Phil Jackson had this idea as as the Bulls and Lakers coach, the eleven rings triangles it was all about triangles in attack Johan Cruyff had it um, Arteta has it now Guardiola has it these passing in triangles you set up a, a three way process where there's always two options for the guy in possession you end up having this incredibly subtle and brilliant attack that's very hard to stop but it's also very hard to implement Yeah, and you're seeing more and more of that now across other teams hence the throwaway comment I'm falling in love with rugby again because you're seeing Defences less dominant, mm. brilliant attacks, brilliant tries, more offloads. It's much more fun to watch, but it's not by accident. I think the level of coaching has gone up. I also think it's about being better refereed. Yeah. They're, they're making better use of the TMO now. It's not as, there aren't as many long delays while they're, restud- while they're studying things. They might be getting one or two things more wrong as a result, such as that knock on when Sexton was tackled. Yeah. But the game's going at a f- smoother tempo. Yeah. Um, I think it's uh, it's good for the game that. They are trying to quicken it up, and it's not—it's not as possible for teams to slow it down to crawl, like the Springboks do, which I don't think is a great advert. We all saw the Springboks Lions matches, as as Ian Morgan once said to me, "I don't know why we put the third test on the Terrier Car Park after the Crimes to Rugby in the first two tests." <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was a bit—that's where we were two years ago. Yeah. yeah. And look at it now, the difference. And I think there's also a brilliant new breed of younger players coming up. I mean, we're seeing with the uh, the Irish forwards like Dan Sheen and Caelan Doris, this new breed of rugby player. You look at the under-20s, the rugby they played, and big six-foot-six locks throwing offloads and tip-ons. And it was just... And then you see somebody like Andrew Capuzzo come through for Italy. Just a nice new breed of player. And Finn Russell's still a joy, and the game's suiting him as well. Darcy wrote an article, I think it was today in the Irish Times, saying it, it looks like rugby... It's tipped the balance now in favour of like the refereeing is getting better. There's less delays in the game, less pedantic mm-hmm. around decisions, but the actual standard of execution and attack has 
really elevated and defensive coaches and defensive systems are sweating again. Yes. That's what, that, that is what's making that opening weekend so much fun. And also, yeah. three of the top five sides in the world are now in, uh, in the Six Nations. But I know the top two are meeting next Saturday. I doubt that's ever happened before. And I was interviewing Jamie Heasel last week about Caelan Doris just putting where Doris is in the pantheon of modern number eights. And he says, probably the best because he's playing in a tougher hemisphere at the moment. He actually thinks the Northern Hemisphere is now better than the Southern Hemisphere. And the world ranking was almost, it's certainly caught up. Mm. It did help that the weather was ideal for all three matches. Mm. That, al- that always helps. But yeah, overall, it's, it's, I also think it's been, you don't want to shout from the rooftops too much after just one weekend, but it, does, it did fairly reflect pretty well in the URC. Certainly the Irish performance, the Scottish performance, the Italian performance, and that's been, that's been a trend in the Champions Cup as well. So I think there's an element of that in it as well. I think that... As you were um, talking there about the fact that it was Lowe and Hansen in off their wings, one of the first things you remember Andy Farrell said was, I want messy wingers. Mm. You know, it's not two centres running crisscross, it's wingers coming right in off the wing. That was something from minute one he was encouraging. And uh, the 20s, I told you, I was just going to mention the 20s, Jerry. And Matt was uh, even saying in studio, as as we watched, pretty much every player be able to throw brilliant Sonny Bill style <laughs> offloads. I know Sam Brender gets, gets got the shout out but I mean it was right across that game and, and Matt was making the point too saying you know 15, 20 years ago we weren't coaching offloads really mm-hmm. but now all of these young players are running in tackle bags and getting their hands free and throwing offloads so the skill set is coming up and, and you think how rugby went the first thing in that, that you know the early 2000s that was sorted out was well let's get the rugby league defence coaches mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. and that was the real focus mm-hmm. it was that dark period where we were saying do we need to go 13 aside mm-hmm. yeah. is that the answer for rugby and now maybe we're in the wave all the factors you rightly mentioned are catching up and also when all those rugby league coaches came in there was an emphasis on the higher hit to stop the offload yeah. that, was, that came from rugby league and maybe now with the World Rugby campaign and coaches gradually becoming a little bit more aware and players of the need to keep hits down. That is making it more possible, more yeah. feasible for players to offload as well. So it's it, in making the game safer, it's also making the game more enjoyable to watch. I, yeah. think, I think Farrell has a way of, a way with words, uh, you know, he's making it sound like a simplification, really. You know, I want messy wingers is, it's a nice way of saying he wants greater involvement, but it's not, it's not shapeless chaotic rubbish where the winger is coming in at the wrong time that that was very very clearly set up yes they they knew they had to be there I think the differentiating factor with this group versus when and I would have been openly critical of the Schmidt era there was lots of process stuff that was good but then it became too process driven there's lots of process stuff here but there's always options within the process and they're genuine options where I think they paid lip service to that in the past. It was like, everyone's got an option. They didn't. You don't really have an option because if you get it wrong, you're a dead man. Mm. That's the way it used to work. Mm. Now it's like there are two genuine options every time. They set it up in midfield so often in that first 20 minutes because that splits the Welsh defence and it eliminates their shooter coming out because the shooter, defender, Gatlan loves and Edwards, I know he's not involved with Wales anymore, but... They love when the ball is at, an ex- at a wide extremity and there's wide passes coming back across the field. That's where the shooter can be really dominant. We got the ball into midfield all the time and then we're going one side to the other. Sexton was pointing fingers, going one side, going to the other. You had guys coming in off the wing, running options. You had Porter 
handling his first receiver looking very very comfortable but he had two options too the 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 Farrell is canny you know and he'll say things like I want messy wingers but it, that that's predicated that's built on yes. eight months of work a bit like the, the heads up rugby signing yeah it's, it's a throwaway casual line but it's that was constructed beautifully for that first 25 okay. minutes uh, Jerry with the view to France what are your big takeaways from Cardiff um, that I think that we might have cons- worried a little bit that November marked a period of not quite stagnation but that the game hadn't progressed from the highs of New Zealand yeah. in attack yeah, yeah. And I thought last Saturday, that first half an hour, was actually a clear signal that the team is going back on an upward graph again and it's still trying to evolve and it's still becoming very potent and, and adding plenty of variety to its game. Even the first play of the match from Hugo Keenan's catch, they could take it to midfield and McCluskey is there, you would think, to carry it up. He didn't actually carry the ball up for the first 15 minutes, but he throws it a wonderful right to left skip pass to James Lowe. As cl- it was clever play also that Lowe kicked so early. I think somebody made a comment, oh, he kicked too soon there. But it was clearly a preordained tactic. That was the space was. There's a really good chase from himself and Ringrose and Manny and they get the first attacking line bang, 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 two minutes, Caelan Doris try. So I thought just the way they went about their work, they, uh, in the press box at, a, at, at the Principality Stadium, it's almost below ground level. It's so low, unusually, like unlike any other ground where there is a press box. It's quite low and it's not great for seeing the action on the far side of the pitch. You're looking at the big screen a bit just to see, because you can't see through 28 bodies to what's, what's going on. But it gives you a, a great appreciation of the way that there was just this green waves coming at Wales all the time. And just the options, just the work rate off the ball. Everybody's so hungry to, even, you'd hardly know, it, didn't make, it wasn't a huge factor, but even Darvis is trying. Murray picks him out by skip passing Peter Manny because Peter Manny's, he's fixed one or two defenders just by showing his hands. It's, just, it's never somebody gets isolated. There's always options, and it was just, and it, to be so clinical, so accurate, so ruthless. I thought it was a real statement mm. that this team is going for it. This for a Grand Slam here is going for a title. You know what I mean? And, yes. And round two, we all know, is the pivotal game. But I, th- I thought, and it was almost, almost as encouraging that they then took thirty minutes of an attempted Welsh response, which in previous times might have had a bigger dividend than one seven pointer because there were so many great plays in their own 22 to then regain control and go no we're going to get the bonus point as well so I think there's plenty of work ons mm. and yet it's a bonus point win away in a ground where we haven't won in 10 where Ireland hadn't won in 10 years so I think it's hard to nitpick that it really yeah. is you know I've read some people critical performance I wasn't I was I was very encouraged to think that Ireland might just be in a better place than France just right now this week maybe Definitely, maybe definitely. Yeah. I would say uh, well, the proof is in Saturday. I do think France will be better than they were last Sunday. Yeah, I, I would have thought so, but I don't think their game has the fluency and the. I don't think it's built the way ours is on those levels. Of, you know that rule of threes or triangles. There's so many. There's a lot of reliance on individual attributes in their squad an, in, an individual to make ground an individual to make an offload an individual to use pace or put in a kick at the right time it smacked at that throughout the Italy performance and it looked really disjointed and I thought they underperformed re- significantly compared to what they're capable capable of but they were not lucky to win they were very yeah. very but yeah. I think I don't see there's no semblance of where we're at in attack versus where they are but they have raw materials that are dangerous mm. so um, it'll be closer but I, I honestly I could 
comfortably sit here and say we could win by 10 to 15 points. Okay, I, I would actually, uh, this is a bit of nervy now. I'm walking up here and I spoke to a mate and we actually could, Ireland could win. And I actually met somebody who was a better and he said, oh, France plus five. I said, don't, don't touch it. Ireland could well win this game by 10 or 12 points. Mm-hmm. And here you are. Let's get in a few caveats here, shall we? Because we might be getting a bit overboard here. Well, we have our clip. I mean, put that out. We're, we're, <laughs> let, let them take all the I'm abuse. Okay. The, the I'm arrogance. okay to just stick my head out on it. A I year think. ago, they did the same thing, France. They spent two weeks in Marcosy and they fairly beasted the players and they almost took the Italian game on the run yeah. and it was their worst performance of the five, particularly yeah. the first half. They've done something very similar this time, except this time they got away from Marcosy. They went down to Capiton in the southwest of France and again beasted the players for two weeks, knowing that they had a six-day turnaround to this game as well. So they've gone very light this week. It's probably going to be an unchanged side, a bit like Ireland. There's talk of maybe Jaminet coming in a fullback for Ramos because he's got a longer kicking game and Ramos missed two kicks off the tee. But essentially, they're a very settled side as well. Um, but it'll be worrying me from a French point of view is a lot of their players have played a lot of rugby this season. Mm. Like Dupont's played 16 games for Toulouse in France. He's played 80 and 14 of them because mm. he just can't take him off. He's so important. Mm. And France have, as you made a point on TV and I checked it, you're right, they've won five of their last six by one score. So they're not really pummeling teams. They're not overpowering teams. Even when they get a big early lead against Italy, they can't pull away. I think for a very long time they've been relying on a, a lot of their kicking game, which is very long. They play no rugby in their own half. Um, they don't really have a counter-attacking game, which is unusual for France, really. They kick. Yeah. Um, and their defence. Like two of their try, their first try against Australia was entirely down to their defence. And Fiku is the exception to the general rule with the French players at the moment in that he's not playing particularly well for Stade Francais mm. or for Racing Mother, isn't it? He's not playing particularly well for his club, but he's playing superbly for France. He was probably their best player at the weekend. He does lead their defence. Yeah. And you no doubt that Sean Edwards, after they conceded 18 penalties, will have been mm. tearing into them this week because they didn't trust their defence. They kept chasing lost causes when they should be let them have it for another phase. It's only Italy. We'll smash them the next one. Yes. Smash them the next, and you'd be sure that would be much more their attitude against Ireland. You'd, uh, I, I piped down a bit when you said they have they were beasted for two weeks and the lead up I kind of went, oh, OK, that's a, that's a good thing to know. <laughs> they did look... Tired or they did. Know, like, their body language yeah, wasn't yeah, as good as yeah. Ireland's. Sure, it wasn't. They weren't fizzing. They weren't. If it's part of a greater plan for the greater glory, then it's a bit worrying. But this is a bunch who won every single game last year, mm-hmm. who have eyes on the prize in September. Yeah, and Galtier was brought in very. Galtier was brought discounted. in with that in mind. Yeah, I, I would. I would so. genuinely discount everything we saw on Sunday. They knew they were going to win eventually. When they had to go and score the try, they went and scored it. Mm-hmm. Uh, most egregious, what do you mean you double-checked a stat I gave out publicly? <laughs> <laughs> Dare you? I got surprised. That, yeah, he's right. Yeah, that, no. no see, I went now, I I sp- to see if it was any further, Joe. Yes, you know okay. What I mean? I'll accept that. I see, I spun that, inter- I spun that as a, a, a sign of their newly um, cherished resilience yep. as opposed to they're not pulling away. I guess that's two sides of the same coin. Yes, no, I see exactly where you're coming from. I mean, they, they found a way to win tight matches. They found a way to beat South Africa in a tight match. They found a way to beat Australia. But as you said earlier, and I agree with you totally, they rely a lot on moments of magic from Dupont or Entomac or Penno. And they're... Their back row is a bit samey. They're all kind of number sixes. They're very good players. Mm. They're no real Josh van der Fleer type player. They've no real passer in midfield. They're missing Dante as a reference point there as well. I'm, it's an interesting game because, it, it, like last year, we thought it was going to decide the title, and it did. Yeah. It was a title decider. Whether or not that proves to be the case, it could well do again this time. And then there's, so there's a title and potentially a grand slam in the yes. offing for whoever wins. And then, of course, there's its World Cup here in France and all the connotations of Ireland not beating France once in this cycle yeah. or beating them in the last game before the World Cup. And so are you, are you telling me that you think France are in a worse place than they were when Ireland 
were playing them in Paris last year. Yes. Okay. I second that. Okay. Yes, I think they were hungry then. They hadn't won a Grand Slam in Yonks. They were playing in front of 80,000 Parisians or 70,000 Parisians and 10,000 Irish, whatever it is. Joe, was an extraordinary atmosphere that, that night. E Sexton said they were a bit taken aback by it. It was extraordinary, Joe. I'll tell you why. Because the, all the drink was being served outside the perimeter of the ground. Because COVID restrictions, there was no drink being served in. So everybody stayed out until, you know, pretty much... I don't know, I was inside, but there was a lot. There was, it just filled up at yeah. the last before the Marseillaise. And I very rarely heard it belted out like that. And because there was no drink coming and going, they, were, they, they sit in their seats more than Irish crowds do anyway. But in the second half, when Ireland came back at France, and France were in trouble, and Ireland looked like they might go and win the game despite a bad start, they sang the Marseillaise again, and it almost visibly lifted them. It is a great anthem. Yeah. And when you've got 70,000, 80,000 people singing it, and your team needs you, it's a, it definitely helped steer them okay. home. And atmosphere notwithstanding, you just think they were in a better place last yeah, year? Yeah, I think they were hungry. I think yeah. a lot of them have played too much rugby this season. Okay. Maybe there's a plateau after the highs of last year. Maybe. Now, this could all look like rubbish when we reconvene next week. Yeah. I would pick, um, if I was um, Galtier, I would pick, you mentioned um, Jaminet. I would pick Jaminet. I just I can't get past Thomas Ramos as a French fullback. I don't think he's talented enough. Um, I think, I, yeah, I don't. I just think um, his goal kicking is part of the story. I would yeah, think. yeah. Jamine has be a huge, huge yeah. kick, that, and he's 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 better on the counter attack. He's he's I faster. So. I think he is. Don't I, think he's good in the air. Yeah, I suppose there's there's good and bad parts. I I I have a bit of a B in my bama right, towards okay. Ramos, but and I'd also. I think what they've done that's a bit samey over the years with Sexton is they've sent the big man up to try and mm. knock him down. And Sexton loves that. He, I, like, he, he, he can't get enough of it. He wants to get in there and try and smash the guy. And I know he's taken it's taken its toll physically yeah, on him. He, but he, he might need to be protected from himself there. Don't possibly, but it doesn't... Ultimately, I don't think it's influenced games hugely. They've tried it. I, I would, if I was France, I would look at that second receiver being a passer... Um, someone like Jalabert at 10 and Intimac at 12. They're not going to do that. I don't though. think they're going to do no, it. But I think it would tried be, it and they didn't think yeah. it worked. Yeah. We they take, might try it for the last 20 if they're behind. Mm. They might do that. We have to take a very short break. Our rugby coverage is with thanks to Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. More from Jerry Thornley and Andy Dunn in just one moment. Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us uh, You're welcome back Andy Dunn Jerry Thornley with us we're looking ahead to Ireland France in particular um, final thought or two on that game and we should touch on the other uh, teams in the Six Nations what kind of game do you think it will be will Ireland dominate possession will it be a kick fest will it be a run fest will it be open will it be tight and tetchy will the forwards be to the fore and this will be an arm wrestle what are you expecting on that front? I think we've we've got a, a way, a very clearly identifiable way of playing now that we're not going to go away from okay. because um, there's there's flexibility at each time we've got possession, there's two options and it's very difficult to defend, it's very powerful. I, I can see it's just maintaining that style now and still being very hard to read all the way through to the World Cup. Does that explain the fast starts Ireland are having? Yeah. They seem to impose themselves. Yeah, and I, yeah and I think it's it's something that he's, Farrell has emphasised quite a lot um, to put your imprint on the game. So I, I can see it being very similar in the first 20 minutes again and whether it's France can live with that or not, yeah. we'll see. Because the French would welcome an arm wrestle, wouldn't they? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, 
like I said earlier, they won't play much rugby, at least of all in their own half. They'll play a kicking game. That's what they do. They kick an awful lot. And they rely heavily on their defence and that'll be much more disciplined this week. Funny, they topped the charts actually last year's Six Nations for kicking. Yeah, there most, you go. Most metres. Yeah, Ireland were last. Really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Ireland passed the most, I'd say. Ireland were number one in every one of these categories. I took a screen grab. I never got... Passes, carries... Um, I meant to mention this on the TV and didn't get a chance because this is last year's Six Nations. Every single one of these team stats, Ireland are number one. Entries into the opposition, most per match, most points per entry, most carries, most metres with the ball in hand, most post-contact metres, most line breaks, most passes, best line out, best scrum, number one for rooks, number one for rook speed, number one for highest percentage of rook speed under three seconds. Number one in everything. Yeah. And it's very like Leinster in the Heineken Champions Cup yeah. as well. They top nearly all these charts as well, even when they lost last season's final to La Rochelle. And that's actually <clears throat> what gives me the most optimism about Saturday. When I think of the speed of rock ball that Leinster produced when eviscerating Toulouse in the semi-finals in the Aviva and Toulouse just admitted they couldn't live with it. And also even Munster going over to Toulouse this season I was at that game mm. and Munster caused Toulouse and Toulouse had a lot more of the French team than Munster had of the Irish team. And, you know, Munster had to lose on the rack at one point. And the speed of rock ball, even Italy produced against France last Sunday for spells, was causing real stress, I thought, to the French. It's and not something but didn't they, they do generally an, used yeah. to. Didn't they the do a number 14. on the Irish uh, breakdown in Paris last they year? Did. So they did. So why is this not a touch more uh, La Rochelle than Toulouse? Because I thought in Paris last year, France won the breakdown. And they'll probably try and do that again, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's why I don't think you you, th- you you see them smashed breakdowns, counter rock. You mightn't see them going for as many poaches as they did last Sunday and got whistled, I think, seven times. Yeah. So I think th- that's what I mean, that they'll be much more disciplined and much more physical. And the Dupont will shoot out of the line. They will really try and put pressure on Johnny as much as they can. And, and Andy's right, they probably will send a fair bit of traffic down John, Johnny's tra- um, channel. Mm. Because how else do you beat Ireland? <laughs> I mean, mm. uh, th- there's no obvious way of beating this team. At I don't, yeah, there isn't. Um, there is really isn't the the this kind of talk. This kind of ah, stop, I don't like stop, it. Will you? But uh, the the um, the, this the could question be our last is, show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I go out in a blaze of glory, yeah, then exactly, why not? Yeah. But uh, the, the to answer your question about why you know why isn't it not going to be more like La Rochelle versus Toulouse, and I think their defence that there was that emo- emotional lift they got in that game from Paris last year, um, but. Our attack wasn't asking as many questions um, throughout that game. I, it just wasn't. So we were a bit, we were just less sharp and less, you know, we just didn't ask questions of the defenders either side of the defender as much. Oh, Johnny Sexton, I guess. I don't, I don't want to put it on Carberry. No, but, but I would agree. Yeah. And all of those things mean that when it comes to the breakdown of your play, France are more prepared with an additional second or two to impose their physicality which they did mm-hmm. at nearly every rook and and things f- from there on we're, we're in a bit more trouble I don't think they're going to get that access um, on Saturday because their attack is too strong and okay. And even when Ireland did get their attack going in the second half it caused they got a couple yeah. of good tries yeah. and caused France a fair bit of stress yeah. then as well yeah. in Paris Yeah Get the flags out Tinsel okay. So you're both saying Ireland and by 10 you be to shocked fif- if it's ten, more than 10. I wouldn't be shocked whatsoever if we win by 10 to 15 points. Okay. I'm saying 10 to 12 so no difference really. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. 
brilliant. I mean, listen, that would be quite the afternoon in Dublin. We didn't uh, discuss about this at all beforehand. No, we didn't. No. Here's it. Well, Brian O'Driscoll was on last night. He was bullish about Ireland's chances as well, I must say. He and uh, too, doesn't he? He named uh, several players in the Irish team who are pretty much best in the world in their position. So uh, here's a cheap question. If there was a, a, an international transfer market, who's the most Irish valuable player? The most valuable Irish player mm. on, a, on a would-be transfer market and why? Two spring to mind. Go on. Dan Sheen and Caelan Doris because of their age profile. Yeah. Mm. They were two that Brian said were the best. Doris is arguably the best number eight in the world right Their position, now. which is frightening. I mean, that's been... I know his, his, his ascent was halted somewhat by that concussion mm-hmm. in his debut, but it's yeah. still been touch meteoric. Yeah. There's nothing he doesn't do. He's got footwork. He's got strength. He's got a clever rugby brain. He, he's an enabler. And Sheen's a freak. He's out there in the right wing. You expect him to be three players and score. Why? Because he can. <laughs> I know. A Kelleher, Sheehan, one, two, in whichever order is um, hell of an offering if mm. they're both fit. It's this new breed that I was talking about earlier that are coming through the system. There's a lot of people doing a lot of great work in Irish rugby. Yeah. From there up. Mm. Who do you think? Um, I was racking my brain. It's just, it just goes to show this, that, like, Tyg Furlong could be considered a top marquee player for any team in the world and I know Sexton if you're talking about age profile that's different but you like you know you've ring roads there you mm. have he's really playing, good game he's just playing so well. yeah. like, we just take it for granted now there's Gary doing Keen, a good thing Keenan is you know age profile is young his his involvements in games are are so central to the outcomes of games um, I always remember Keenan seeing him as probably his 10th cap and it was in the middle of COVID and I don't think he'd ever played in front of a crowd and we were in the in the media section but there's no one in the ground and he dropped a high ball and there was silence because there was constant silence and I think it was Brent Fanning did you, Hugo Keenan just make a mistake mm. and everyone started laughing mm. it was about his 10th international cap so like he and very quickly when you're away from home underneath the roof and there's 70 odd yeah. thousand people and the bombs are going up in the air if he drops one of those it yeah. sends a tremor through and then the, the yeah. war go- intensifies next time the ball goes up and they do it more and more and him it's like just having Peter Schmeichel in goal just having him yeah. doing that just help quieten the crowd too. Yeah. Yeah. The wake moment is even more important. Yeah. Sorry for interrupting. Not at all. Jesus, no, but I, they, they just, there's, a, there's an, a, a real sense of st- genuine strength and depth. 35, 40 people that are good enough to be in around that squad that you wouldn't bat an eyelid about being involved. Herring is the third choice hooker or fourth choice hooker and look at it. I mean, he's, he's a hardened pro. Who you are know? you buying? <laughs> my buying Hugo Keenan because he runs like chariots of fire <laughs> <laughs> I love how seriously you talk about the way I think in long term uh, age profile you know planning for the future very the impressive Arsenal approach Joe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so that's okay that's Ireland France Italy much improved mm. this is good for the tournament uh, the, the most common refrain I've heard over the last couple of days was geez if they had a 9 and 10 of, of a bit more substance they could very well have shocked France and would be um well, uh, much more of a threat again throughout the tournament, but just the fact that they're improving at last after thirty-six and zero, mm. it's kind of a relief for the it tournament. Is. It was it was the the um, the Achilles heel of this tournament week in week out. Yeah, yeah, and it it got tarsome the debate should Italy be bombed out of the tournament. I didn't like it because Ireland were close to that place in the nineties. No, but it was actually the most interesting thing to say about Italy. I which know, was a pity. Yeah, it was. No, when Caproso went off in that amazing run and uh, passed inside for Padovani to score last in the last minute of the Welsh game. I mean, 
It's, it's like Matt said on TV the other day, everybody wants Italy to do better, just not against themselves. <laughs> yeah. so, so when Italy beat Ireland, what happens? Declan Kidney gets sacked. When Italy beat Wales, what happens? Wayne Pivak gets sacked. Mm. When Italy beat Australia, hey, what happens? Their coach gets sacked too, you know, mm. Dave Rennie. Mm. Um, it's like, so, geez, we can't lose to them. It's, it's, it's unthinkable. But actually, it would be no harm if you see the results during their 20s, you see the players like Caparulso and the Garbezi brothers coming through at halfback as well yeah. as the younger scrum half. And you, you think the only, as, as you were discussing on TV the other day, that the fact that the Italian Federation have just torn up yeah. the Stephen Abood um, pyramid system the, from the, down, the academy system is. You wonder will they pay for that in the years to come? It seems more rubbish will step in. It's I know. ridiculous. Yeah, it really but it's is. great that they're now look, you know, look, Italy have, have occasionally had one very good performance in them and not backed it up, but you would think that I thought I think Caprosa's been brilliant for them. Yeah. They were actually winning that game into the into the last I know Andrew Trimble said they kind of lost their nerve a bit. I thought they went the other extreme. They're just gone in front, it's inside the last quarter, and they take a quick throw and then they go for this sequence of magnificent offloading, which leads a guy hand the ball in the neck, fans go up the field, do their lineup move, score their try. I just wonder actually if they'd been a little bit more mm. if they had hadn't been so ambitious and going after it, but yet it was great to see too. It was, yeah. I think that's where they can differentiate themselves. Someone like Crowley, I would have thought, as a coach of that team, it's it's a nicer disappointment to try and have to rein them in by their am- levels of ambition and creativity than to try and instill creativity and ambition because they haven't had enough in recent years. So now he's he's trying to rein them in a bit. I, I just think that's a better position to come from as a coach. I'm sure he's allowed that happen and encouraged it. You see when he was interviewed afterwards, did you play too much rugby in your own half? No, not at all. We probably didn't yeah. play enough. Like, you know, he's he's actually, clearly given them yeah. carte blanche to do this. Yeah, so. and I, I, I just think it's a nice way for them to approach their rugby provided of the capability to do it and then a little bit more discipline around those decisions those key decisions yeah under the furnace of the international they've travelled you know? Twickenham without fear well on England then so uh, news today by the way uh, Richard Cockrell who's overseeing the scrum he's on his way to Montpellier so he's going to depart after the end of the Six Nations the last of uh, the Eddie Jones ticket Ian Peel of Saracen's favour to replace him and uh, Nick Evans people were generally uh, approving of the fact that Evans was looking after the English attack but uh, it's been noted that Richard Wigglesworth has come in now as a quote-unquote assistant so there's a sense that he may take over that department so that the Leicester cohort are very much being established uh, with England. All that notwithstanding what struck me most about the game was Owen Farrell's interview afterwards and I know there's a degree of any player is going to accentuate positives but he was being interviewed by uh, Martin Bayfield and, and and again Martin Bayfield a, a brilliant Broadcaster, but being very fair and saying, let's accentuate the positives. And Certainly uh, did, yeah. And Owen Farrell, yeah, I know, look, cause, you know, we really improved over the last 11 days. And I did find myself thinking, you've just been beaten at home to Scotland. Like, English rugby, this is as low as I can remember it in how many years? It would seem to be, wouldn't it? It would seem to be, yeah. It would seem to be. Last time in November, they were booted off the pitch. Two of their clubs sadly have gone to the wall. The Premiership isn't what we were told it was and sold it as. Mm. Um, They're just clinging to new manager, new dawn, things yeah. will... Yeah. improve. That's yeah. about the only good thing you could say. There's Unless I'm being too harsh on them. I don't know. There's, they don't look great at the moment and you, they don't look like they're going to win the World Cup now no. at all, which is something you wouldn't have thought you'd no. ever have said before and not, not since 2003 anyway. It, seem, it seems like there's a they're being PR managed to a degree. Um, having played with Borthwick and I know it's a long while ago now, um, he's trotting out certain phrases and lines in any of the interviews I've heard 
the the players are saying the same. It does. It seems to me there's an element of communications management in the lead up to it. Um, maybe I'm being cynical, but that that has a very short shelf life. Um, going into the actual realities of a game, the the chit chat and the buzzwords that they're using, and now they accentuate the positives a bit. They were they were way off where they need to be, and they don't have. If we compare them to the clarity you see in the Irish attack, there's there's really confusion reigns when you're watching England it's hard to understand what they're trying to achieve Mm -hmm. they don't know themselves who their best options are well I was going to ask you that what you thought particularly of the 10, 12, 13 access because Stuart Barnes wrote a very good piece on basically why it didn't work nearly as well as Scotland's and you think of two the Scottish tries and the way the 10, 12, 13 access made penetrated the English defence which was surprisingly poor and that will improve by round five you would have thought whatever about improving their attack their defence you would have. It's a easier fix, isn't it? He's a good mm-hmm. coach, Mike Forshaw. The th- round five, that defence yeah. won't be as porous. But there's no doubt that the Scottish 10, 12, 13 seemed to work much more yeah. potently. Didn't even the variety that yeah. little chip through into the in goal yeah. area of the try. It was, just, and whenever they lose, I know it's a handy cop out. They always say, "Oh, it's just not working." Marcus Smith and Owen Farrell just didn't work, but it didn't seem to work. No, I think he, I think he cornered himself a little by making Farrell captain. I think he had an opportunity to pick uh, a different captain. And also by bringing Nicky Evans as his backs yeah, coach because yeah. Nicky Evans is hardly going to say, well, I want yeah. Marcus Smith dropped. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Marcus Smith should be dropped. I, 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 I think he's someone they should keep and stick with and it's changing their centre combinations. But I, So you wouldn't have Farrell in the team? I don't I don't know if I would, no. Wow. I, I, I can I see why they would want Farrell in the team though. Yeah, yeah. I, warrior. Is, so you're, you're, you're a long way off board with having him as captain to not having him in the team. Mm. What are you seeing that he's not seeing or vice versa? I don't see I don't see clarity in their attack. I don't see I don't think he's a threat. Farrell as an individual carrier. He isn't a threat in my mind. What what he is is a demonstrative dominant character. He's very similar personality to Sexton, but he's not he's not as influential on how the team play. He's got the verbals and he's got the leadership and he's got the experience in games. But if you look at his individual impacts in a game overall, he's wanting, for me, he's not he's not a dominant enough defender. He's not creative enough attacker. He's he's a he's a good tackler, but he's also got that in his in his locker where he can go high. I just he could be in and around the team. I mean, no, I don't think he's not a you know he's not a too langy ball carrier. He's not super creative. He's not fast. He's the sum of his parts, and he's a kicker. But they have a good kicker in, in Smith, and I wondered had he an opportunity, Bortwick, to look at a new departure going in and say let's not make him captain, keep him in around the squad. And sure enough, yes, I can pick him, but a third or fourth game if the combination's not working. But ultimately, I thought it was a safe choice, and I'm not sure. Yeah, I wouldn't have done it. He wins a lot of matches with Saracens and he's yeah. the driving force behind them. He's yeah. a brilliant tactical kicker. I think he's got a super range of mm. pass. He sees where space is. He's clearly a good tactician mm. and strategist on the pitch. Yeah. I mean, I watched him in tandem with Johnny in the Lions mm. and it worked worked a charm. Yeah. Mm. Did. Worked an absolute charm. I'm so it can I'm, work. I don't know, yeah. I'm over here in Siberia a bit, but <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I think he had an opportunity to, to go a different direction. Well, listen, 
give it six months and we'll all be uh, parroting what Andy Dunn's just said here I'm, I'm sure <laughs> I get uh, multicoloured M&M's at that <laughs> look you can't get them all right maybe this is your one uh, any quick word on, on Scotland I'm, I'm loathe to say much about them until you know we've been here before is the, is the yeah I've used those issue. words we've yeah. been here before the Scots win round one against uh, England and, and lose they, round two against they, Wales they won with panache and yeah. there's a lot to their game and there's a lot to like and they get a bit carried away from themselves. I think they've often said in this show that they could be yeah. a little bit more humble, have well, a little bit more humility, would do them good. The stat is that 1996... The last time they won their first two games. That's, that's some going. Staggering. Yeah. I think it's about to change. Well, if it doesn't... Well, I mean, they're at home. They had great support in Twickenham. They, played, they can score tries from anywhere. Mm-hmm. They've match winners. Yeah. Russell's playing in a very controlled but very effective way with that pace of pass and... You know, he's just, he's a menace in his own right. They, I think that they should be beating him in some respects because Townsend in his sixth Six Nations campaign and yeah. Steve Bork was in his first match. This is the culmination of yeah. the and, and tenure, yeah. Gatlin's got a new coaching ticket and they're trying to build something new again or revive wonder, it. When's the but last time Wales lost their opening two? Is yeah. rather interesting. They just, on the basis of last weekend and last Saturday, you would strongly fancy Scotland to make it two. Mm. That, that Welsh yeah. second half doesn't give you you can't spin that as oh, you we, never know we, got, we blew off the cobwebs and got mm. it, we found ourselves somewhere mm. that's a, a very optimistic view of yeah. that Welsh second yeah, half it is. and this is in Murrayfield so it's a fervour like the main reason they won a Murrayfield two years ago was a red card wasn't it yeah. really Wales seem to get a red card yeah. every game that yeah, Peter yeah. Mahoney and that was the great joke going around Wales after the first three rounds just two more red cards and <laughs> a grand slam <laughs> Do you care to uh, give us a strong view on Scotland either way yet? Um, very enjoyable uh, performance on Saturday. And, and again, the I thought the selection of Hugh Jones was a brave one in midfield versus Chris Harris. And something in that that I uh, look at and reflect on with the English selections where I'm like, that was a brave selection with Hugh Jones and he was they were rewarded for it. Um, add, added a different type of threat in their attack. Um, I Yeah, I think... They are very capable and very dangerous and I don't think this one is a false dawn for them. I think they've been through a number of them and uh, I th- yeah, I think they're they're kind of hiding in plain sight at the moment. They're, they're strong. Makes Ireland's World Cup group more interesting. It certainly mm. does. Not least yeah. round four in the short yeah. term. Yep. Uh, fellas, round two's shaping up very nicely. Uh, I should just mention, uh, main sponsors of the Irish rugby team, Vodafone, are offering a small business customer the opportunity to display their brand pitch side advertising uh, during the Ireland-England match. As well as that, if you're a small business owner and you know a rugby fan aged between 7 and 12 who would like to be the mascot for the Irish team, Vodafone are offering that once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and the mascot will meet the team and walk out with them at the England match. Thank you very much. So that would be uh, quite the afternoon. If you want to get involved or enter, check out Vodafone Ireland's Twitter or you can search Vodafone.ie forward slash business. I'm a small business owner, five foot eight. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, you can, can look I in the enter? T's and C's. No. Get in there. Yeah. Uh, Andy Dunn, pleasure. Thank you very much. Uh, Jerry Thornley is about to go out and write half a dozen articles for the Irish Times. Can I just say that if Ireland don't win by 10 or 12 points this Saturday myself. Oh, you're Andy. back on Monday. No, we're not. To explain. We're, we're going to the pub. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> no, no, no. Went to the Harry Lemon there and we'll have a couple of Way more fun. You're back in here Monday afternoon. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, fellas, that was great. Thank you. Cheers. Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.